If kickoff was today, who would start for our Michigan State Spartans? Also, what did Tom Izzo have to say about Jeremy Fears, Xavier Booker, and more? And then we crack open the mailbag. What would the transfer portal have done to the 2013 Rose Bowl team? Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Spartans is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on to get started. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked on Spartans listeners, thank you all so much for tuning in to Locked on Spartans, your team in green and white five days a week here in the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm your host, Matt Sheehan. Please rate, review, subscribe, smash that five-star button, comment below on YouTube, and in the end, just do whatever makes you happy. Like some of you find folks did, reaching out to us at LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. Mailbag is always open, and that's actually going to lead us into this show. Maximilian writes in, If the FAU game was today, who would be the starters on both sides of the ball? Also, will By Job get any run this year? We'll get to the By Job stuff here at the end of this. But this is where we're going to start the show on, because this is a pretty nice spot in the calendar to hit pause Take a look at the roster, the depth chart, because we're in between a frantic transfer portal window, all the recruiting early signing day, and then spring ball is about to start, well, God, before we even know it. So this is a good chance to look at what Michigan State has going for them with the starting lineup. We're going to start with the offensive side of the ball. We're going to start with quarterback. We're going to start with Aiden Childs. We're not even going to play, oh, there could be a quarterback battle. No, there's not. He's not getting paid in NIL more than the women's basketball coaches uh, just to be in a quarterback battle. No, he's going to get the starting job. At running back, Nate Carter, a guy that had a really hard time finding the end zone last year. However, I will go to bat for Nate Carter until I'm six feet under. I still think he is a plus running back for Michigan State. He showed a lot of that in his short stint at UConn. I think the running issues went far beyond Nate Carter. And I think a lot of us agree with that, but that's just my take in case you have any Hot, Nate Carter shouldn't be starting takes. So Nate Carter, you're starting running back. Jalen Berger, he'll get a fair share of the run too. Now wide receiver, I'm going to go with Montori Foster. It's hard to say that the guy that's the leading returning receiver from last year shouldn't be in the starting lineup. And then on the other side of him, I'm going to go with Jerron Glover. Now let's say it's a three wide receiver set that we're seeing broken out of the huddle against the Owls for week one next year. Is it TJ Sheffield out of the slot? Or, heck, um, is TJ Sheffield even going to be on the team this fall? Uh, if you guys didn't catch that, there was a press conference last week. They gave the rosters to the fine media folks of Michigan State's beat contingent. And TJ Sheffield, the recruit, or sorry, the transfer out of Purdue, still not enrolled in class. So they're still going through all the hula hoops and the limbo sticks to get him into campus. But, um,. Let's say the off chance, TJ Sheffield is not the guy here, uh, that he is not going to be a Michigan State Spartan. Alante Brown is still around. Maybe you throw him in the slot, but hear me out here. I got a crazy idea for a slot receiver. And I don't even know if this is going to work, but hey, you know, this is just for throwing spaghetti on the wall and seeing what sticks at this point in late January. Five foot nine, Jalen Barberin, the fastest recruit of the 2023 class. And no, not fastest Big Ten recruit or fastest guy out of California. No, no, the fastest guy in the country coming out of the 2023 class. Have to find a way to get him on the field. With the running back room being as full as it is, I'm not sure if it is going to be out of the running back position. 
So maybe slot receiver is a home for him. I will say I don't necessarily expect it because, hey, fastest kid in the nation. Okay, if he had hands, he'd probably be a four-star receiver, if not a five-star receiver. So there is a reason he was only a three-star of high school. Could very well be that he's not that experienced catching the ball, but... Hey, he's already been in college a year. Maybe he's developed some hands. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that in the slot because, again, this guy is a blazer. So you'd like to see him on the field more than just kickoff returns ever so often. Um, about the wide receiver room, I said about Torrey Foster, Jerron Glover, even if TJ Sheffield does get here, that's a unit that lacks height. Now, you don't necessarily need height in the receiver room. You could just look at the 2015 Michigan State team for that. I, I don't think they had a, a predominant pass catcher taller than 6'1 or 6'2 on that team. But still, you're losing your vertical threat since Christian Fitzpatrick. He transferred out to Marshall. Yes, you still have six foot two Antonio Gates Jr. You have six foot three Nick Marsh, which I'm sure will contribute as a freshman. But as starters go right now, Foster, Glover, and let's call it Sheffield or Alante Brown out of the slot tight end. Not much of a debate here. Jack Valley, the transfer out of Oregon State. But let's say Michigan State has 12 personnel to start the game. That is one running back, two tight ends. I don't hate the idea of Jack Nickel out there. He's going to be the young, up-and-coming, blocking tight end, or if you want two pass-catching tight ends. I know we saw him a little bit at the end of last year. Brennan Parachek. I'm feeling okay about the tight end position right now. Now let's go to the offensive line. Left tackle, already a nice battle going into this spring football session here. Brandon Baldwin, probably the guy to beat, but Ashton Leppo will not be too far behind him. Brandon Baldwin... A little more experience than Ashton Lepo, but when Lepo got some reps, PFF liked to grade Lepo a little higher than Brandon Baldwin, but we'll see what experience does. Another year in the weight room for both of these guys does, but left tackle, pretty good battle underway already right there. Left guard, going to go Gino Vandenmark, center Tanner Miller, the great All-American uh, transfer out of Oregon State, and then right guard Luke Newman, the FCS All-American transfer from Holy Cross. If you want to switch Geno and Luke, left guard and right guard, be my guess. I feel like we're pretty confident with Tanner Miller being the center. And then right tackle, Ethan Boyd. Now, as we end the offensive line talk, I do have to correct something I did say yesterday because we talked about Luke Newman, we talked about the offensive line, the two deep, and we said, hey, for the interior depth, you have guys like Christian Phillips, Dallas Fincher, Cole Dellinger. You even have Kevin Wigginton. I will correct myself. It's going to be really, 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 really hard for Kevin Wigginton to find the field for Michigan State this year because he transferred to Illinois in the offseason. I completely forgot about that yesterday when we were recording, so I apologize. Uh, Kevin Wigginton, he will not be in the two deep this year. Yeah, that was one of those moments where I'm just laying in bed at midnight and then all of a sudden my eyes open. I'm like, oh my God, I said Kevin Wigginton on the show today. Oh, crap, that, that was a mistake. Anyway, so I just wanted to clear that up. So there's your offense right there. Let's take a trip to the other side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball. Defensive end, already uh, a mystery, or so to speak. I, or let's just call it a competition. That's a more fun word to use, a competition for defensive end. You could pencil in Chris Bogle. You could probably pencil in Avery Dunn. But, man, Jalen Thompson had some really good flashes last year as a true freshman. Of course, there was also two other true freshmen last year at that same position that were very, very highly rated. Of course, we're talking Andrew DePape and by Job. I do expect both of these guys to get some run here. Also, Quindarius Dunnigan out of Middle Tennessee State. So there's five or six names there that can compete for this defensive end position. I will say, as I'm filling this all out, a little sad not to have Jacoby Winman in there. I think under Joe Rossi's system, he would have been great at that stand-up edge rusher, defensive end, linebacker, hybrid sort of position. But 
As things stand right now, that's what defensive end is looking like. Interior, pretty clear cut. I would expect uh, Derek Harmon, Simeon Barrow to be starting on the inside. Maverick Hansen comes back for a 17th year of college eligibility. He will be first off the bench with plenty of reps and experience. And Speaking of reps and experience and skill, more importantly, Daquan Douse, the Georgia Tech transfer, graded very high on PFF if you like their work. So, yes, they're very high on him. Now, we'll see what we get with Alex Van Sumeren. Third year in the program, he's already sustained two major leg injuries. So, not only just does that suck to undergo that much surgery and pain and everything, but you miss so much development with all of that. So, and also, let's give a shout out too to a guy that got some run at the end of the year. Former walk-on, former offensive lineman walk-on, six foot seven, three hundred five-pound Ben Nelson too. He'll add some depth to the interior uh, defensive line too. Linebacker, God, this is where it gets tough because I can see Cal Halliday or Wisconsin transfer Jordan Turner in the middle. I, I think they are very similar playing style. Really good at stopping the run. Known for identifying a run ahead of them and being one of the first hats to the ball. Pass coverage kind of lacks, but play them in the middle. Jordan Hall, another year as an outside linebacker. And then we're going to pencil in Wayne Matthews, the old Dominion transfer to uh, going to the outside. Maybe Darius Snow. Um, and let's just call it the nickel, too, because Wayne Matthews is close enough to being a nickel as Angelo Gross is. So it depends what look that the other team is going to be giving you right here. For cornerback and safety, I think it's pretty clear cut. Uh, Dylan Tatum, Chance Rucker as your starting cornerbacks with some depth there. You got Chuck Brantley, Caleb Coley, Malcolm Jones, Marquis Lowry. So there are six names right there, but I would expect Chance Rucker, the guy that really impressed as a true freshman last year, and Dylan Tatum into his third year at the starting cornerback and safety. Uh, no debate here. Jaden Mangum, Malik Spencer, feel pretty comfortable with that. So, hey, if you're listening on YouTube, comment below what you feel of that starting lineup or how spicy you're feeling about that. If you're thinking that I just rattled off a name or names that give you an 8-4 and four season, be my guest. Let's, let's shout that out. Let's get some confidence rolling here. We will be back talking basketball here in a hot segment. First, need to talk your ears off about FanDuel Sportsbook. The NFL regular season is all wrapped up, but there's still plenty of time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. If you're going to play the Lions game this week, don't worry about covering the spread. Don't worry about the points. If you're a new customer, place a $5 bet, go to bed Saturday knowing that you're going to win no matter what. 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose for new customers. The app is super easy to use and there are so many different ways to bet like live same game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can go ahead and make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays and so much more. So what are you waiting for out there? Visit FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, and make your first bet a layup. It's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And speaking of layups here, let's head over to the basketball court. Tom Izzo, he spoke to the fine media contingent over in East Lansing. And we're going to start this off with a name that uh, really stole headlines in the offseason. And so far this season, too, we're talking true freshman Xavier Booker. Tom Izzo said, quote, we're going to try to get Booker some more minutes. That's usually the big social media news. I don't know if the second part of that quote is even true anymore. I think that people have seen Xavier Booker and two things. Understand that he's just not going to play a lot the rest of the year. And then number two, understand why he is not playing a lot. Here's my thing. 
Love Tom Izzo. Hall of Fame coach has brought me some of my happiest moments of my entire life. But I'm going to heavily disagree with him here. Of we're going to try to get Booker some more minutes. Now, I get that there's two schools of thought. So maybe I'm more uh, slanted to one school of thought here. The first school of thought is that, hey, people want to see more minutes for Xavier Booker so he can develop. Okay, you can't grow into the beautiful flower that you're projected to become if you never see the sunlight or water or soil. I, I, I get that. Now, the second school of thought, which is where I'm at right now in late January, is that it's winning time. Okay, and I don't know if right now in his career, Xavier Booker is the winning option. So, yes, there are people that want to see Xavier Booker out there just so he can grow. Sure. Totally agree with that. There are some people out there that are saying, well, he gives you the best chance to win. I do not necessarily agree with that. Again, my takeaway here with the Xavier Booker ride so far is that I fully understand why he has not played a whole lot lately. The last few games, let's go down the minutes here. Zero minutes versus Maryland, two minutes versus Minnesota, six versus Rutgers, zero versus Illinois, and then popped out for 15 minutes against Penn State. Now, before we go forward and say how he's not playing winning basketball, I do want to say this right now. I want to scream this as loud as I can, but I don't want to wake anyone in the house up right now. I'm not calling Xavier Booker a bust. I'm not saying he should go to the transfer portal. I'm not saying that this man is built for Hope College and not Michigan State University basketball. All offseason, we've been talking about this, right? Be patient with him. Granted, I didn't think we'd have to be this patient, but his ceiling is still there. The physical frame, the shooting stroke looks good. Now let's go to why it hasn't necessarily been winning basketball because you see it just with the eye test. Okay? Beat on defense, beat out for rebounds, which is understandable because he is still undersized. He needs another year in a college weight program. So sophomore year, I would expect him to be a good player. By junior year, should he stick around that lawn, he'll be a marvelous player. But right now... Getting a guy that's motor is questioned publicly by the head coach. And then also, the defense isn't all there. The rebounding's not there. So what do you have right now? You have a six foot ten guy that is a 3 and D player that shoots the three-point ball at 33%. And guys, uh, let's talk about some of these threes that he's made. Ever since the start of the calendar year 2024, the only two threes he's made are with less than three minutes to go in garbage time. He's not even hitting shots when the game is competitive right now. Also, for the whole season, he has no blocks against any Power 6 teams. He has some blocks against the likes of Alcorn State and Stony Brook, but against big-time competition, which is who we are playing right now for the rest of the season, it hasn't been a whole lot from Xavier Booker. So to go back to the comment, we're going to try to get Booker some more minutes. I, I do have to ask, Why? I, it is winning time. It, it, this is not Stony Brook. This is not Southern Indiana. This is not Montana Tech State for the blind. I, these are serious games you have to start winning, and you can't just have a project out there just going all willy-nilly on defense and thinking that he's Steph Curry by the way he shoots a three-point ball when that's just not who he is yet. Again, sophomore year, I expect some major growth from him. Junior year, should he stick around that lawn? Oh, my God, that, that's when we're going to see what this five-star rating was truly all about. But, yeah, I just saw that come across Twitter of we're going to try to get him more minutes. I'm thinking, um, Tom, I don't know if we do need to get him more minutes right now. I, I think that things are going as good as they could be 
right now with what we're working with. I'm not calling it a perfect season, but I'm not calling Xavier Booker the reason that we're going to start winning games all of a sudden. I, I don't see him as a positive necessarily. I hate to be a Debbie Downer. Again, I want to reiterate, not giving up on him. It's just, let's give it an offseason, and uh, yeah. So All right, and uh, just to go along with more players that Tom Izzo talked about, he talked about Jeremy Fears, who, when I was at the Minnesota game, and he's standing there for the National Anthem, the first thing I noticed was no crutches, which has been reported, but no boot either, and he seems to be walking. Like, okay, and this is uh, less than a month after he got shot outside of his hometown. and So we were led to believe that he's going to miss the rest of the season. And that could still very well be the case. But this tweet from Chris Solari of the Free Press, quote, Izzo says Fears has started running on an underwater treadmill and is farther along than he would have expected, but still no definitive timeline and says, quote, mentally tough kid. Like, I don't want to speculate, but allow me to speculate. Um, I do wonder if Fears is going to be good to go, like, late February, early March. I mean, he shed the boot and the crutches, quicker than my non-medical expert eyes ever thought so. That's what we're going to keep an eye on here. Also, it was nice, too, that Tom Izzo talked about how Jeremy doesn't seem phased by this. He's been very upbeat. He doesn't have a lot of down days, which, like, who could even blame the kid if he did? He got shot, for God's sakes. Like, this isn't, like, what Bill Raftery said uh, on Sunday during the Maryland game. And I love Bill Raftery. I think this was a small gaffe that he had when he said that um, he had a, an accident like, no, no, Bill, sitting in a house and having someone run into your house and shoot you in the leg is not an accident. Uh, falling down the stairs would be a good uh, example of an accident, but that's not. So anyway, after all that, I, things seem to be progressing as well as they can for Jeremy. So just wanted to uh, give a nod to that really quick. Also, uh, Jaden Akins did practice. Uh, that was asked about uh, at the press conference, and I don't think that's too much of a surprise. Yes, he rolled his ankle pretty badly at the end of the first half against Maryland, but he did play 10 second-half minutes. I guess the question was, was it a bad enough injury where you're only going to limit him in practice and then maybe he does a walkthrough Thursday before this Wisconsin game? But no, it looks like he'll be full go-ish this week in practice. Uh, before we head into the mailbag, I do want to, just want to do a bracketology update as that is on top of a lot of people's minds, myself included. Uh, Joe Lenardi. Not the best bracketologist if you go to bracketmatrix.com and look at the ratings, but the biggest name over there at ESPN, like he is the bracketologist that most people know. So he has Michigan State at number seven against 10th seed in New Mexico. The two seed, if you're curious, would be Tennessee. So just like we mentioned, bracketmatrix.com, they rank all the bracketologists, all 170, some of them, on the internet. And let's just take a look at some of the top bracketologists online. Bracketometry. They were the number one bracket last year. Michigan State as a nine seed against Mississippi State. And then the one seed would be UConn. 131 Sports, who was second place, also local to Michigan. They have Michigan State as a nine seed. They don't actually have the bracket yet, just seedings. So Michigan State has a nine seed there. And then Bauertology, they're in the top 10 too. They released a bracket on Tuesday. They have Michigan State as a nine seed against New Mexico, the one seed being UConn. So. In that 7, 8, 9, 10-ish range right now for Michigan State. We did a whole episode yesterday on if Michigan State is truly on the bubble. I said yes because I use a very loose term of what the bubble is. But right now, as things stand, I'm not totally worried. Of course, I'm always concerned. But like, I'm not overly worried right now that Michigan State's playing themselves on the wrong side of the bubble. 
Uh, let's crack open the mailbag here, and this is just a stylistic helmet question, batting first from Joshua. What do you think about just a solid green helmet with a white stripe and have the S helmet stickers, no logo, on the sides? Mmm, Josh, I don't know about that. I, I like... Michigan State has a list of incredible logos that they have, whether it's the MAC logo. Uh, the gruff Sparty logo is my favorite to see on a helmet, just the typical Sparty helmet that you always see. And I know that a lot of people like the Scripps State. I It's fine. I just like it more on a basketball jersey than anything. But I Michigan State has too many cool logos in their history for me just to go full uh, Cleveland Browns, uh, if, if you will, or I guess we could call it Ohio State too, with just plain colors with just a stripe down the middle and uh, just the, the helmet sticker. So, no, I I need a logo. I need a logo. I, I just, I, yeah, I, I just need something else to look at here. Uh, my, my attention span is that short. Uh, but, no, thanks for the question. I do appreciate that. Again, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com if you ever want to reach out, just like Ryan did. Now, he has a transfer portal name out there. Keegan Smith, former three-star from CMU, entered the transfer portal, played against him in high school, and he felt like a five-star to a scrawny guy like me. Should MSU go all in on him? Definitely was an underrated three-star of high school, but need to check my bias. Two years of eligibility left for him. Now, that is some good snooping right there by Ryan, because this, yeah, hey, if you know anything about how I run this show and my expectations for rostering a football team, it's that you can never have enough offensive line depth. And as Kevin Wigginton's not going to be playing next year, as uh, you know, I just remembered at the wee hours of last night, you could use some more interior lineman help. So six foot three, three hundred pound lineman from Jackson. Okay, so a hometown kid started as a freshman for the Chips in four of their games in 2021, missed all of 2022, but in 2023. PFF ranked him as the Chippewas' second-best offensive lineman. Just like Ryan said, two years of eligibility, so would I just try to run a full-court press on him? Yeah, I would. He just entered the portal on Monday, I believe, so uh, I'm sure his phone is ringing off the hook. But yes, you can never use enough experience in the transfer portal and offensive linemen from the portal, so... Yeah, that takes care of two birds with one stone. So come home, Keegan. Come home. Uh, all right, Brandon writes in the last two questions we will be doing here on this show. If Transfer Portal was like it is now back in 2013, would it have helped or hurt the Spartans? In t- uh, sorry, would it have helped or hurt the 2013 Spartan football team? That is a fantastic question. Of course, the 2013 football team was the one that won the Rose Bowl, just in case that anyone is getting their years mixed up of those Golden Age Antonio years. That, that's the Rose Bowl team. I think for it like that season, um, I think it's fine. But what I'm more focused on is what happens after that season in 2013. I might go with Hurts. Because it's clear that they had a team good enough to be one of the best in the nation. I don't think they were missing any glaring positions or any holes at any position, you know. But I wonder if the transfer portal does hurt this team in the offseason between 2013 and that awesome 14 year and then the even better 15 year. Because, hey, Michigan State, you're hot in the streets. You had a lot of good players have a lot of great seasons. But what if it's second guys, like... You know, guys like McGarrett Kings or Tony Lippett. You know, guys that had to play second fiddle to Benny Fowler. Guys that were not the complete alpha, 
would they have gotten sniped by another program somewhere in the country? We're not idiots. We know that tampering happens all the time. So it's like, hey, McGarrett Kings, uh, good season. You're the number three guy on this team. Want to come over here and be the number one guy? And, of course, NIL would play a factor in that. But here is where I think in the end maybe this would have helped Michigan State is if NIL was prevalent in 2013-14, oh, man, I, I, I think we're seeing some uh, remarkable paydays for some of these people. And I just think the donors, by and large, are going to be full bore donating to this team. And that's kind of something that maybe – not hurt, yeah, no, we'll see, yeah, hurt Michigan State at the end there of the Mark D'Antonio era is that, uh-oh, hmm, we didn't really capitalize entirely on what we could have done there, so if NIL was a pipeline that was open for a lot of these players, yeah, maybe maybe that's the case, so you can make an argument for both, but I think in the end it would have helped, especially because, hey, if we're going to talk about the 14-year, the 15-year Coming off a of college football playoff going into 2016, clear there were some holes on that roster that you could patch it up with the transfer portal. So I know you just asked about 2013. I don't think it hurts or helps that year, which it didn't have to. They won the Rose Bowl and everything, but it's the years after where I really think the question comes into play. I think that maybe it hurts them in the offseason after the Rose Bowl. Should another team be more aggressive with NIL? But, hey, odds are that you do keep a lot of these kids, and the season is still good. Well, that doesn't have you hit the speed bump that you did in 2016. The other question that we have here is, why do you keep bringing on Brian Smith on the show, man? Now, Brian Smith is our Lockdown Recruiting Insider. Now, Brandon goes on to say, all that dude does is crap on MSU. I remember him laughing at your takes for MSU's next coach back during the season. He kept saying that MSU will have to settle for an FCS coach. Seems like he never got anything good to say. That's a fair question. I like Brian personally, and I'll answer it right now. Why do we bring him on? First and foremost, he, he is incredibly knowledgeable with recruiting, uh, especially in the area he lives in, Florida, which is a predominant recruiting area in the country. So he brings all sorts of insight, says a lot on the air, and also gives me some nuggets off the air, too, that you know, he can't publicly say. But he is very knowledgeable. Also, he's real. Like he, He's not just going to butter us up for no reason. And, guys, I know it hurts to hear and this kind of goes into my third point, is that he's a good outside voice. Sometimes we get stuck in our own vacuum. Like, a few weeks ago, we just did an episode talking ourselves into 10-2 and for MSU next year. In reality, the over-under for next year will be that 5.5, 6.5 number probably, which is where Brian expects us. So, it's an outside voice reminding us, hey, why we might have to pump the brakes. Yes, he was wrong about the head coaching thing, but a lot of people... Were. Not not just like national people like Brian, but there are people in our own backyard, the Detroit media, that were saying, oh, Chris Creighton's going to be your guy, or oh, man, MSU should be honored to have Jason Candle as a candidate. Like, So, yes, he was running that one, but we have people much closer to the home that completely whiffed on that one. So I, that, that's one of the things where, yeah, he got it wrong, but so did a lot of other people. Now, I will say... Um, that's just what you yeah it's he he is real as an outside voice so i i like brian i'm gonna keep having him on um but yeah it's just he is being honest when he says that michigan's gonna be tough to beat on the recruiting trail and that's our conversation we just had last episode is 2025 recruiting what are you looking for and he says well 
just try to nab three of the top ten teams because we, we do have to remind ourselves, as good as our offseason is going, as great as things are going under Jonathan Smith so far, there are some other factors going on, like hey, the rising powers over on the Pacific Coast too. Oregon's going to be a tough team to beat. They're going to be a juggernaut next year. And Ohio State bringing in, God, a, a roster that's going to make more than the Cleveland Browns down there. Michigan State plays them back-to-back weeks. Michigan just comes off a national title. They're going to be strong in recruiting, too. So, yes, I'm thrilled about how things are going here in East Lansing. But talking to someone from the outside, like Brian Smith, it's a reminder of, like, yeah, there are some things that Michigan State has to uh, hurdle themselves over here in the near future. So, no, I do appreciate that question. Uh, I know everyone isn't everyone's cup of tea, but, yeah, I I like Brian just because he, he keeps it a stack, as the kids say. Folks, on tomorrow's show, we will be joined by Chase Glasser of Spartans Illustrated. He's got great things to say about Aiden Childs, the Michigan State offense coming over. So, until then, hey, love you all. Go Green.